the you know we we've been going through a, a, an interesting period of time, haven't we? Where there's lots of facts available online, but there's a lot of stuff which is misinterpreted. So hopefully everyone in this room will know that it's fact that the Earth is not flat. I hope. Sorry if uh, well, I'm not sorry if, if people think it's something else. But there you go, it's not flat. Um, you know, and COVID uh, was here and was real and was, um, was something which we all went through and the people did land on the moon and that's my view anyway. Um, um, although Napoleon, I, I was watching Beyond Paradise. Did anyone see Beyond Paradise? Did you? It was brilliant. It's, it's the, it's the spin-off for Death in Paradise. And um, apparently, and I, this is uh, something I learned, Napoleon apparently said that history is a set of lies that people have agreed upon, <laughs> apparently. Um, uh, but facts are very important for us to root our faith in. And hopefully we, well, we all, the, those of us who believe, uh, the, the importance of the facts that the Bible gives us is um, something that we, we ground our faith in. Amen? It's something that anchors our faith. Um, we're starting a series on Luke. So I get the privilege of starting Luke off for you. Um, we're going to be looking at uh, Luke 1 and 2, uh, mainly Luke 1. But the thing about Luke is that Luke was, above all, an excellent historian. He was the only author of the Gospels who didn't, didn't know Jesus personally, from, you know, didn't walk with Jesus. And um, his, from a point of view of his intent, and he states this in the first part, passages in Luke, and we'll have a look at these in a second, the facts were clearly his intent. And people generally agree, historians generally agree, that there are, uh, there is, there are ways in which you record history, uh, which is great. It's in terms of you know, when things happened, where they happened, who was uh, in government at the time, and who was, uh, you know, uh, movers and shakers, and all those things help us to piece together exactly what happened. And there are a number of, um, of historians around uh, that time, but most historians will say that in terms of recording history, Luke was excellent. He was a physician, and he used his knowledge of, of, of setting things down in a factual way uh, uh, to exemplify what it means to be a historian. And because of him, most historians, whether or not they agree whether Jesus really did miracles, etc., etc., um, they will all agree that there was a person called Jesus, and that's largely down to Luke and the way that he presents it, and he roots his, his, uh, his gospel in the facts of the day. So let's read um, the first um, few verses from Luke. Um, and you can see that Luke is here clearly stating what his purpose is about setting things down. So, inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile an account of the things accomplished among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who were, from the beginning, were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. It seemed fitting for me as well, having investigated everything carefully from the beginning, to write it out for you in consecutive order, most excellent Theophilus, so you may know the exact truth about things you have been taught. So that I've emphasized in bold there, um, you know, things like certainty, truth, that we may know the truth. He's writing to this person called Theophilus, uh, which is either an individual or representative of a uh, believer in God, because Theophilus means God-lover. Uh, so take your pick, whether you think it's to the general believers in general or to an individual. 
Um, and it also tells us, um, this is where we know that Luke is um, the first in the volume uh, and Acts is the second in the volume because if you look at the opening of Acts, he's then writing to, to Theophilus again, he says in my previous account. So Luke and Acts are basically one, two volumes of the same account, okay? One giving the life of Jesus, one about the history of the church. Um, Luke um, is part of what we call the Synoptic Gospels. So there's a lovely diagram that Dawn's about to put up. There it is. I put this up last time, um, and Ali, when she was leading the church, came and asked me for it. So I thought I'd put it up again, because it's got to be good if Ali liked it. So, you know. And people like drawings. I know that it may not be very easy to see, but essentially it shows you from a, from a Synoptic Gospel point of view. In other words, three Gospels, Mark, Matthew, Luke, were all used common sources um, and it tells you how many had, you know, what percentage was shared between all three Gospels, what was shared between two Gospels, and what was unique. The key thing, though, that's worth taking away from us for today is that Luke, by some considerable margin, had more unique material in than the rest of the Synoptic Gospels. So 35% of Luke is, is unique to him. I need a drink. Thank you, Andy, for the water. Um, um, and, and, you know, the large part of the rest, well, the rest of chapter 1, we won't read, and all of chapter 2, which is setting down the birth of Christ, much of that is unique. There is a little bit of that in some of the other, in one of the other Gospels, but uh, most of Luke, in terms of his, certainly his young life, is unique. Um, and, and we get from that because he said in chapters 1 and 2, uh, sorry, in, in what we just read there, in verses 1 to 4, that... Um, he went and talked to eyewitnesses. So we believe, we have an understanding that he would have gone and he would have spoken, for instance, to Mary and he would have got accounts from her and from people around at the time who understood what Jesus did before he came to ministry. So he was very clear that he wanted facts. And of course, Acts itself, the book of Acts, is the only uh, writing we have which tells us about the history of the early church. So he is very clearly setting down anchors for us to have our faith in, anchors for Theophilus to have his faith in. So, um, my question to you is, what kind of anchors do you have in your faith? What are the kind of things that you look to, the facts that would remind you of how good God is, what he does in his life? If we look back at, the, um, at uh, what we've just read there, if we go back down to the first one, one of the things that I've said is that um, I've highlighted there is that they were handed down to us by those who were, from the beginning were witnesses. That word handed down to us is the word where we get tradition from. They were literally traditioned. Now, we tend to think of tradition in our kind of um, church, kind of evangelistic um, uh, uh, streams, if you like, to not be great because we think of tradition as being dogma and we think of tradition about... Um, you know, uh, going into high church stuff. And I want to be very clear if, if, you know, you have a Catholic or high church Anglican background or you're watching online, I'm, I have uh, no issue with that because for many people, that's actually where they meet God. This kind of the stuff that we're all wired differently, the stuff that we have, uh, that we do here, can turn people off to God. I know for many of us, that's kind of, you know, because we're not wired that way, we don't kind of get that. But for some people, the stillness and the tradition is, is something which brings them into the presence of God. But for us, often we think of it as being 
um, not something which is helpful. But for the Jews, it was extremely important. Word of mouth passing down from generation to generation. And what Luke is talking about here, where he takes information that's passed down from him and other people, um, is the way that they preserve the Old Testament text to such an accuracy, thousands of years old, yet we still have a great accuracy text for some of the oldest texts that we know exist. Um, the accuracy of modern-day um, Old Testament writings are very, very accurate. Um, so we want certainty, we want truth, we want to know our faith is well-grounded. And that is what uh, Luke wants for us. So as we travel through the, uh, the, the stream of our life, as we travel through uh, the cord and the course of our own lifetimes and our own timelines, it's important to Luke, it was important to the people he was setting down, and it's important to us. We need anchors in our lives. So my question is, what are your anchors? So my first anchor that I'm going to look at, um, there's a few I'm going to throw some thoughts out and suggestions to you. But the first one I want to talk about is what I call memorials. Um, so um, what do I mean by memorials? Now, memorials, you know, people pile up in the... We put up statues and things like that these days, don't we? Um, but memorials, all through the Old Testament particularly, we read of Genesis, we read of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, putting out things where they would meet, have an encounter with God, and then they would erect some stones, and it would say things like, and that's there to this day. Joshua, when he crosses the Jordan to the Promised Land, uh, one of the things he does is he erects a column of stones in the Jordan River, and then he takes stones from the Jordan River and he erects a column of stone. And you can read about that in Joshua 4 if you want to. He is putting down things, the Bible tells us he's putting down things so that future generations could come back and go, well, what's that about? And the parents would go, well, this was when Joshua went through uh, the Jordan River. They're anchors that allow us to remember events that have shaped our walks with God. It's important for us to remember the events that have shaped our walk with God. And it's important for us to remember them. Now, what I would suggest to you is you, I mean, you may not want to, well, it's up to you whether you want to build a, a pillar of stones in your back garden. I know that my wife wouldn't be very happy if I, if I did something like that. Um, but um, you may want to, for some people I know, would buy a necklace or something like that. Some people are like to, if something's happened to them where God has done something in their life, they like to go out into, like, go for a walk in the forest or something. Do something meaningful to them, because what that does is it can put into your heart an opportunity to put a memorial in place to the things that God has done in your life. And it's important for us to hang on to those things, to remember, because life, unlike God, we're not constant. I prayed this morning, it was about, um, before the meeting, about us, um, you know, we have bad days, we have good days, sometimes we're ill, sometimes we're not, sometimes we feel put under pressure, sometimes we feel like we've, we, we've messed up. Um, God isn't like that. He is constant. And in the middle of those, that life and the reality of life, we need to remember the constancy of God because he's the one in which we need to be grounded. So it's important to remember the moments that God has intervened in our lives, so we can remind ourselves of his goodness and his grace. Every week we have uh, story times, which are essentially testimonies. 
And the idea is that we want to hear the, some of the stuff that's been happening in the family of God, in our family that's here. But it's important, not just as a sense of family, but it's important to remind ourselves of the power of God, remind ourselves that God is there in the big things and in the small things. Hopefully most, we, well, we've heard the last couple of weeks, and we're from Rosanna last week, so people were here last week, I hope Rosanna talked about uh, prayers and, and how God answers prayers. And when God answers prayers, that's a big moment for the people who have been prayed for. I had a look on uh, our um, prayer chain, and just this month there have been 10 medical issues which have required um, some sort of, some person going into A&E. Um, and um, out of those 10, virtually all of them have now been resolved or been through, resolved in a way that people can praise God for what's happened. Now, you can be cynical. Maybe you don't know Jesus, or maybe just cynical in nature. You can go, well, you know, the medical staff have intervened or something's happened. I, I thank God. God's the one who's given gifts of medical the, the, to the guys who do medicine and the like. Um, but to the people who are in the middle of that, no matter how small or big it is, to them it's big. Yeah? We tend to think of signs and wonders. And of course we want to, I believe that God can raise the dead, I believe that God can heal the sick. Um, but regardless of whether something looks big or small, to the people in the midst of it, it's big. One of the people that we've been praying for is Ben, uh, who is a little boy who um, uh, is, um, uh, had stage 2, borderline stage 3 cancer, and uh, has had an operation. He couldn't eat for a while. He was bringing stuff up, and now he's back on track. He's uh, looking really well. The, uh, all the, um, the work that they've done and the stuff they've done in surgery has worked well, and now he's in recovery. And I know for Andy and Val... God's moved in that. Annie, do you want to say a couple of things? I did prime him for this. I'm not just dropping. Well, I kind of dropped it on him. He said, do you want to know what this means to you? Yeah, it's every grandparent's nightmare to hear that your grandson has got cancer. And that's where we were on October the 15th last year. Um, and uh, we cried out to the church to pray for us. Uh, we cried out to people all over the world and uh, they did. And um, first of all, I'd like to, to take a moment just to say thank you to you for praying for us and praying for Ben and praying for his family. And being as this is going out live across the world to thank people all over the world for, for praying for us. But yes, Ben has come through it. He's um, been told he's clear of cancer. They operated this week to take the stoma out uh, which is uh, uh, which was an important part of his operation. He's had his nose tube out, and um, uh, it's funny the things you pray for and funny the things you give thanks for. Because this week we've heard that should we say his food has managed to find all its way through. <laughs> uh, there is solid evidence to this fact. Um, and giving God thanks for that um, was an unusual prayer. But thank you for that. Uh, I give glory to God, and thank you for supporting us through this as well. Paul.
That's an anchor. It's an anchor for Andy and Val to know the goodness of God in their lives. And it's an anchor for the rest of us to hear that. Revelation says testimonies are important. That kind of thing reminds us of the goodness of God. When we pray, we don't always see the prayer. They always see the fruit of that prayer. We don't always see the healing. But I would maintain that whenever we pray, we are either creating anchors in our own lives for for ourselves or we are creating anchors in the lives of other people, such as what we've heard from Andy and Val. And that is an essential and part of intentionally uh, creating communities. Amen? How, how, you know, if we're going to uh, touch this earth, heaven-changing earth, we need to be praying so that people can find anchors in their lives where they can see the goodness of God. Particularly if they don't know God yet. But if we know God, it's still very important for us to keep our faith rooted in what our lives have taught us. So what promises? What, what, what things have... Sorry, we'll move on to promises in a second. But what, um, what testimonies do you have? We do have this slot on a Sunday for people to come and share if you want. But think about the things in your lives where God has come in, heaven changing your life, changing earth in your circumstances, that he's given you something which you can anchor your faith in. But remember, what promises has God given to you? That's another anchor point that we have. It's important to fight for the promises that God has given us. Sometimes it can be a big prophetic word. Sometimes it can just be something that somebody has said to you um, in a prayer meeting or whatever, and you just know that God has spoken into uh, that um, at that time. So um, Acts 27, if you were to read that, you'd really read about the Apostle Paul, who gets shipwrecked off the coast of Malta. Um, I always uh, advise people if they're going to Malta to fly in these days. Um, um, there are some biblical precedents that you probably shouldn't um, bring into the context of modern day. But Paul was uh, shipwrecked, and one of the things that he said was, he, he said to everybody around that you should get near me. If you're near me, I'm not gonna, you're all going to survive. How can he say that? He can say that because on the road to Damascus, God said that he would talk to the kings and the rulers of the Gentiles. At that point, he hadn't yet done that. It didn't happen until he got to Rome uh, that he, he started to move in those kind of circles. So Paul was able to stand on that shipwreck and say, I'm not going to die today because God has told me that I've still got stuff to do. Uh, Joshua, sorry, not Joshua, Joseph said um, to his brothers, having started by being thrown in a pit all those years later, having his brothers come to him and him reveal who he was to them. And he said, it was not you who sent me but God, he was able to say that thing because his, his faith was rooted in the promise that God had given him all those years ago that he would be in a position of influence. Um, and he, of course, was a leader uh, in Egypt, which was a totally different person than he was when he was thrown to the bottom of the, of the pit. He'd gone through a whole process of learning because of the things that God had done in his life so that he could be the leader that God had created him to be. We need to recognize that we're on a path and we need to recognize that God um, has promises over our lives which are anchors for us to listen to and remember. We all need to listen to those positive things that God speaks over our lives. How many people here, you know, 
entrepreneur, you could all probably all put your hand up. How many people here know that if you're going to pick up on something, you'll always pick up on a negative thing that somebody has spoken to you? I could speak, I could say Dan's at the back. Dan, you're wonderful, Dan. Um, um, I could say, you know, 100 things over you, uh, all positive, one thing negative, and you'd remember for ages that one thing negative. It's one of the, the, the things that we as people tend to do. We then have conversations that go round and round in our minds, which are the lies and the lies that we constantly tell ourselves instead of looking at Scripture and looking at what God's promises over our lives. God has given us promises through Scripture. He's given us promises through the prophetic of the things that he has got for our lives. Can I say to you that if you are still alive, God has still got stuff for you to do. And I don't say that just for the more senior people in this room. Um, when, I was, um, when I first came here, um, I'd, been work, I'd been in church leadership for a little bit of time. I was back in my 20s. And then when I came here in my 30s, um, there was a period of time where God started to use me very prophetically. And then, and it was, it was quite a, a period of, of really quite a surprise to me. And then all of a sudden it seemed to stop. And I went through a period of uh, what some people might call the wilderness period, a period of just, just feeling like God wasn't using me. And um, I remember sitting in a car outside our house having a chat with Hendrik. Um, that's something that Hendrik always seemed, and I always seemed to do. We'd go out for a drink or something and then we'd end up sitting outside my, our house in the car with Teresa then telling me, you go, where have you been? What have you seen? You arrived back ages ago. You were sitting out there talking to your mate, weren't you? But I remember talking to him about, uh, we both were 40, we were the same age, so that's 10 years ago, both were 40, and both of our boys, our Brahmin and Joel, were 10. And I remember the conversation, because Hendrik was pointing out that we'd known our sons a quarter of our lives. Um, uh, but uh, the reason I, I bring this up is because we then started to talk about how, you know, in my 20s and uh, early 30s, I was doing all this stuff for God, and now it just seemed to be so flat. And that was where the Hendrick pointed out that it was probably a midlife crisis. <laughs> now, there are certain facts uh, that you don't necessarily want to hear. That was the first time I, I kind of thought, midlife? I'm 40. And I thought, oh, actually, yeah, yeah it's probably reasonable. I was then just 30. So... Um, but, but there was a whole period in my life where I had to work through and understand what God was doing. And for a long time, I couldn't see what God was doing. Um, and it's only really been in the last three, four years that God has then re-established me. And I've realized that I wasn't the person now that I was in my 20s. The leader that I am now in this church is not the leader that I was in my 20s. In my 20s, I was all, you know, why can't we do everything, you know? And it was more about progressing things and moving things on and less about the people, whereas now it's very much about the people. It's now it's very much people are the thing that God's heart is on. Let's think about heart. Let's talk about um, what we mean to God and bringing us and building a community that is based on love. Well, Paul said that without love, you're a clanging symbol. So I was a bit of a clanging symbol, I think, in my 20s. Hopefully I'm not, and I'm still a work in progress. Not there yet. We'll get there. So seasons, we all have seasons. We all have times where we need reminding of the promises that God has, gone, gone, has given us. And like Paul on that shipwreck, hopefully you'll never have to do this on a shipwreck, but there are times where things are really difficult, where we just need to fight with the promises that God has given us, the words that he has given us over life, the, the anchors, we need to remember them 
that God is there and he has a purpose in our lives. Um, in terms of Luke, one of the, the things that he focused on in terms of facts was Acts. I've called it Acts because we tend to look at Acts, the, the book, and fact, probably you can blame it on King James, but they, we know that as Acts of the Apostles. But actually that book doesn't really talk a lot about the Apostles. In fact, there are a whole bunch of Apostles that only appear at the beginning, and most of it is on Peter and then on Paul. Um, what Luke was really interested in was this concept of heaven changing earth, concept of God breaking in. And most of what he talks about in both his gospel and in the book of Acts is the acts of the Holy Spirit. That would be a far better description of that book. So he was focused on um, God breaking into the lives of ordinary people, and that's no different today. God breaks into the lives of ordinary people in big ways, in small ways, but to those people, as we heard from Andy just now, you know, those are big moments. I mean, uh, uh, your grandson was cancer is a big thing anyway, but in the midst of the, the passage of life, these kind of events are big, and God breaks into our lives. So it's important that we have testimonies, answers to prayer, that's what that's all, all about, and we just need to remember that God is the same today, yesterday, as he was 2,000 years ago, in the time that Luke was recording, that he is the same. And he is for us, and he is full of grace, and he is full of mercy, and he is able to lift you from the place that you currently are in your life, whether that be a good place or a dark place. He will shine his light, and I trust him for that. Of course, the biggest act the biggest fact that, um, that Luke recorded is in chapter 33. It's called the cross. The biggest act of God. And then, of course, in chapter 34, the final uh, chapter was resurrection. The fact that Jesus, God himself, came to earth, died on the cross for our sins and rose again. That's the thing that people all around this auditorium that know God that's the biggest anchor in our lives, is it not? I remember when I was at university, kneeling in, um, on my bed in a moment of deep crisis and anguish, looking back, it may have been some teenage angst, I don't know, or early 20s angst, I don't know. But nonetheless, it was big to me. And it, it was a moment where I just needed to reach out to God. And he showed up. My first encounter with Jesus, and it stuck with me. I can see it very clear. I can close my eyes and just remember what happened that evening. And it's never left me. It never, he has never left me. He is good. He is faithful to move. He is unchanging, and he's as powerful to act today as he did when I first gave my life to him and when Luke's record. The cross is, an ultimate, is the ultimate memorial to, living, to a living, merciful, and extraordinary, graceful God. I mean, that's one of the reasons we took communion today, isn't it? Uh, Paul says, well, Paul quotes Jesus in saying, do this in remembrance of me. And Paul then expands on that and says, this is it's not only just to remember what Jesus did on the cross, but it's also to remind you that he's coming again. That's what he says. It's a celebration of the fact that God has won on the cross and that he will return. They're all being very quiet. Do you think that? Do you believe that? Yes. Glad you said yes. 
Um, <laughs> we have to remember these things. Jesus knew it was important for us to remember the covenant that he made over our lives so that we can walk in the goodness of that. And he knows, because he's been through it all, the Bible says, he knows those difficult times, the moments where we are crying out to him because we have a very, very sick grandchild. Or, um, you know, all of those ten things that have been on the uh, prayer list just this month. People crying out because God is a God that enters into human existence, into our lives. Heaven changes earth and he makes a difference in our lives that we can build an anchor upon. So if you've never known God, if you're watching online or you're here and you've never known God, and you want a moment that you can stand on as a memorial to how much your creator loves you and how much he is for you, um, and you want a moment to respond to him. We're going to have a... Um, I'm going to ask the band to come back up. Okay. Um, we're going to have a, a, another worship song and there will be a, an opportunity for people to come and pray for you. You can come forward for prayer. Um, but I'm going to pray in a second for, for people. If you want a chance to respond to him, allow him to have the first and final say in your life. But if you do know him, take time to create those moments. Take time to create anchors. My wife has a book that she does every day at the moment where she is pasting stuff in to remind her of the stuff that God is doing in her life that day. And she is kind of an artistic thing. That's what helps her and it gives her something she can go back to and say, look, God did this on this day. This is the impact that he's made in my life. And she's done that. And it's, it's, if she was here today, she's uh, not well enough to be here today, but if she was here today, she, you know, um, I'm sure she'd be happy to talk to you about it and it's something that lifts her up. She's probably watching from at home. Hello, Teresa. So, um, and finally, when we go into this worship time, which the guys are about to leave us, lead us into, remember, Jesus talk, tells us when we pray and when we worship, the most important thing is to thank God, to praise him. I always, start, I always try and start my prayers, or at least the prayer times that we have, by thanking God first, because it's him that gives us the anchors in our lives. It's him that gives us the moments. It's him that we need to be celebrating. We need to celebrate those things. We need to celebrate him. So in our praise and in the time as we move into worship, let's celebrate the good things that God has done in our lives. And remember why we're here. Because he's a good and generous God and he is our saviour. Amen? Amen. Andy.